0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Thursday, December 12th, before the Vancouver Canucks take on the Carolina Hurricanes, a game that gets going about half an hour from the time that this episode is coming out. So uh, I do want to let you know that this is a uh, perfectly fine interview to listen to even after the game. I had a great time chatting with my guest today, the Athletics' Sarah Sivian, uh, joined me for a one-on-one chat over on the Locked On NHL feed but because she's in Vancouver and uh, because the Canucks are taking on the Canes tonight and we talked quite a bit about Jason Bochford as well I figured I would let you listen to it on this feed as well. Uh, I will be back tomorrow morning to talk about the game that Sarah is in town to cover and uh, probably last game against the Toronto Maple Leafs as well given that I didn't do a post-gamer for that so look forward to that discussion but in the meantime uh, I had a great time chatting with uh, I think uh, a great person in NHL media the yeah. Sarah Sivian. And one quick note here before we get into the interview uh, Sarah joined me live from Rogers Arena in the bowels of Rogers Arena and uh, as a result her uh, cell phone reception cut out a couple times so uh, there are a few answers off the hop that might be a a bit difficult for you to try and discern what she's saying but I do want to encourage you to stick with it as uh, it it does get much better as the interview goes on and we had a, a good conversation at the end about Jason in Botchford that I think is worth uh, sticking around for. So please uh, suffer through some spotty cell phone reception in the early going. It gets good by the end and it's worth sticking through. Without further ado, my conversation with Sarah Savian. My guest today is the Carolina Hurricanes beat writer for the Athletics NHL banner. And uh, I have been looking forward to chatting with her for a very long time. Glad we could finally do it. While you're in my city, no less, (laughs) Sarah Sivian. Sarah, uh, thank you so much for doing this.
1: I know, the feeling's mutual. I almost had to sleep on your couch, but I figured it out. So this isn't live, but it might have been in dire circumstances.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll save that conversation for off the air, I guess. But, well, maybe not. What's going on there? The Athletic's not setting you up with accommodations on the road? Come on. No,
1: there was just one emergency. Everything's been great with that stuff. But um, something happened to the hotel I was staying at, and they called me in the first period of a game in – where were we? In
0: um, Edmonton the other night?
1: Edmonton, yeah, yeah. And they were like, um, something happened with the hotel. Like, you can't find other hotels. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm like, technically, Dr. Ranser is trying to help me out. But um, there ended up being somebody I know who let me stay with them. Lovely Canada.
0: Wonderful. Glad to hear that it all worked out in the end. But. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been looking forward to having this conversation, Sarah, because lately I find myself bogged down with all this uh, heaviness surrounding hockey culture and, uh, you know, systemic uh, abuse and violence and and, uh, coaches stepping over the line. And look, I don't mind having those conversations. I don't want to say that I don't, uh, you know, look forward to diving into that sort of thing because that's news. And when it happens, we do need to address the problems within hockey systemically and as a culture. But there is another side of that coin as well, you know. Hockey can be good. It's not all bad all the time. And I feel like you work for the team that really is like that shining star example of what is so good about this game when it is good because the Carolina Hurricanes have been a lot of fun pretty much right from the moment that you arrived in Carolina. And before we talk about the team (laughs) as a whole, I just want to ask you like what's it been like to cover this team since you've been with the athletic? It's been
1: just perfect. You know, um, they, DR called me before I took the job, and they were like, it, "Things even if we don't win, things you can change this year with the culture, sure. with Williams being captain, with um, all the they assembled, and they took really took a lot of stock into having good characters on the team. Mm-hmm. The manager that has been huge, and um, they just they knew it'd be a great team to cover, and they couldn't have been more correct. And I was just sold on that, and it's my first. Well, now it's my second, but it's my first few years um, coming into my own as a reporter and really being the one that asks the questions. So you know what? That's tough, but they've made it as easy as it could possibly be, uh, especially coming from Boston. There's so many reporters, and then I looked up to them, and I'm like, growing up reading them, I'm like, how am I going to ask that question that he's just going to ask? So the fact that I can kind of ask my things every single day has been like outstanding for my Job and of course the guys have been so accommodating and so awesome with my silly questions
0: sometimes. Well, what were you kind of expecting coming to this job? Because my impression of Carolina before last season really was it's like one of the you know sleepier outposts way out on the edges of uh, the hockey galaxy that doesn't get a ton of shine. It's kind of uh, I don't want to call it like a backwater hockey market, but it's not one of those teams that you hear very much about and yet they have started to dominate the discourse as far as uh, you know, comedic hijinks and so on, etc., over the last year and a bit here. W- were you expecting it to be kind of, um, I-, I guess, quieter than it has been?
1: Well, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people that told me that it was going to be different, but still you just have your doubts, and you never really thought it would be the storm surge and all that kind of stuff. I never thought it would be the number one story but then it ended up being the number one story well not really but like one of the top stories of last season and um, just learning how all that stuff works and how Tom Dunton came in and he did he invested in the marketing and the branding and how much learning all the ins and outs of that has been awesome Um, I thought it's so much just on the ice and of course it goes into How good the guys are and like how, how much personality some of them have.
0: Well, you know, this is a team that was uh, coming out from under Bill Peters before Rod Brindamore took over, and I wonder how much that has to do with how fun the team is now, because, you know, we've heard allegations not just uh, of Bill Peters' time uh, in Calgary, but of course uh, uh, Mikael Jordan, or I don't even know how to say it, Michael Jordan is what I've been calling him, (laughs) the the hockey one, uh, 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 was alleging abuse at the hands of Peters during his time in Carolina. Eddie Lack didn't necessarily have the best time with Bill Peters in Carolina either um, and, and how much is, is that just kind of the pendulum swinging back the other way because obviously Rod Brindamore was a part of that coaching group with Bill Peters previously and kind of knew that maybe some of the buttons being pressed there weren't necessarily the right ones and, and the kind of culture that he wanted to create coming out of uh, what Peters had done prior
1: well it is. it's not talking to me because it had been my understanding that the guys were rubbed the wrong way entirely by Bill Peters Uh, most prominently (laughs) how he can to name Justin Williams captain when Justin Williams came back to Carolina during free agency with the understanding that he'd be named captain and um, that was basically supposed to be the plan but it was kind of described to me as a power move that Bill Peters didn't do it so that was kind of the final straw and then I didn't know there was actually like he said the n-word and he kicked people I mean that that goes far beyond just being a a dick you
0: know yeah Uh, well I, I, I guess there's kind of a chicken and the egg question attached to this culture change as well which is you know do you have to be a good team to be able to have the kind of fun that Carolina is having lately or are they a good team because of how much fun they have
1: no, they had to be a good team. I mean, I've been there from the start, and I know Justin Williams and Rod both were very serious at the beginning of um, last year. So what, they could get kind of the training wheels off with, like, all the young guys on the team and know that this is a the standard they have to live up to and they have to play a certain way. And then once they did, you could see Rod that sometimes not dressed for practice or he wouldn't always be the last one off the ice. And now he kind of does, kind of doesn't, but it was like set the standard and um, as long as they're still there, then they can have fun.
0: Oh, well I, I there's so many people who have described the storm surge and all of the kind of goofy comedy that the guys do and I think this was part of Don cherry's argument as well when he sort of went to war with the entire hurricanes organization last season is that it's a it's a distraction that the guys aren't focusing on the task at hand but if anything I have always seen it as uh kind of encouragement it's the it's the carrot at the end of the stick you know it's it's a motivator for the guys because if you come up with the these elaborate storm surge ideas if you bring in a special guest star to be a part of your victory celebration are you not that much more incentivized to try and go out there and pick up the win because you know uh evander holyfield or whoever you've got lined up for a guest appearance is not going to be there for the next game you need to pick up the win that night and that should be a a motivator for the guys and not a distraction at all right
1: I remember Jordan Martin was pissed last year that they lost on Star Wars night because they couldn't do the Star Wars search, but they had it in their back pocket, take a season, and they won. But I also think it's it's not really either of the above. I think it's just a thing they talk about at lunch that day, and then they do it. Like it It's not a distraction. I know that people like Don Jerry and a few other people that I actually like in the media were wondering about that, and I'm like, you guys don't understand. They're just sitting around at lunch. Like, What should we do today? Like, It's not... It's not
0: that big of a deal and it's it, it, you know it's kind of nice to just have a small detail to take your minds off of the rigors of the game you know yeah. hockey ultimately is a game, and we have uh, been having that conversation again with these you know talks around Mike Babcock and the way he's treated his players uh you know you've got uh, a, a guy like uh, uh oh, why can I not remember the name of one of the top stars in the game for Toronto uh, uh-
1: it's okay.
0: I have one brain cell after leaving church, uh, Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a Leaf star who's got a, a a happy face on the inside of his glove to remember that hockey is fun, oh, right? Oh yeah.
1: And, and and Mitch Marner.
0: It's Mitch Marner, yes, and and
1: Austin did it too. That's so sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, whereas like I don't feel like the Canes ever need that reminder because yes, you're right. Yeah. It is a small thing. It's not something that encompasses their game day prep or anything like that. But you you do need to not take everything seriously all the time. I feel like
1: yeah. Oh my god, absolutely. How are you going to survive? I remember I was asking Ryan Zingle if he has a certain um, pregame routine or anything like that, trying to like, find a quirky story, and he goes, Sarah, I don't think he actually said Sarah, but I, I just did. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> the season's way too long for that. I'm like, that's such, like, I felt that in my soul, because the season's too long. Like, you got to just get whatever gets you through the day. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's realizing that it's not that serious.
0: On the the flip side of that, though, do you feel like the Hurricanes get their due for how good they are as a team? Because it feels like every time we hear about them, it is, you know, something comedic, whether it's, you know, a storm surge or last week putting uh, a chalk outline on the ice where Peter Mrazek got killed (laughs) by Joe Thornton, which is hilarious. And I do want to hear about all of those stories all the time. Anytime that happens, we should be hearing about those things. But I feel like it does get lost in the grander narrative of of where the league is at, how good this Canes team really is.
1: Well, who cares about what the media thinks? So I always pay attention to what the uh, players on the other teams will say, and they, it's been a 180 since the beginning of last season. Just kind of like, oh, we have to be prepared to fight the Hurricanes. They're a fast, young team, a lot of skill, whatever. Like that. They'll say those type of things that they used to say maybe about the Leafs or um, another team like that instead of... The Hurricanes, they would just kind of, like, not bring that up. But now they've set a certain standard, and it's in the pregame interviews with players from the opposite team. So I always pay attention to that.
0: Well, uh, how does this team talk about itself then? Because obviously they went deep in the playoffs last season, perhaps uh, not as deep as they would like to. But when you talk to the players, where where do they think the ceiling for this group is right now? Is this a club with cup aspirations?
1: Yes. They, they, they have to think that they're going to win the Cup. What are you even doing in that NHL? You know what I mean? Unless you're like, the Detroit Red Wings, that's a different <laughs> story. You can believe in yourself, you know. Um, wow, well, this is getting inspirational. But they all believe in each other. They have so much praise for Setsnikov and Aho and Tabo Terabon. There's just so many pieces that they can win the Cup.
0: Is, is Sebastian Ajo one of the um, more underrated players in the league right now? Because, uh, I mean, still very young in his career, and often it takes time. And I know you're going to tell me exactly what you just said, which is who cares what the media is saying yeah. around the league. But but, but but it does feel like this guy, he, he does fly under the radar a little bit for as good as he is and as young as he is. Well,
1: because he's still so young, I think, but... He's been on a tear lately. Um, ago, He got his 100th career goal, and um, the website reporter asked him if he knew it was his 100th goal, and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, if you know that was your 101st goal? Because he scored again right after. And he goes, I did the math. And I think, like, just the way he's evolved as a person, he's so funny now, and, like, he, he probably always has been, but it's, like, watching him get better and better with each interview, it's kind of like he needs that to be – a superstar as well, you know what I mean. So it's all coming together from now. This is probably the season.
0: Yeah, there's there's kind of a, um, you know a media spotlight element that goes along with that. Never mind what you're doing on the ice. People want to hear your quotes in addition to seeing your highlights. I guess which shouldn't be the yeah. way it is, but sort of is.
1: Eh, no, like I think. Why do you want to root for somebody that is you don't really hear like you don't know their favorite? I don't know. Like, but he's been so funny and like just so. He's a good kid, and uh, I'm excited to see where his career will go.
0: Well, uh, do you feel a burden then to kind of get those personality moments across? I, n- I know this is a team with a oh, ton of course. personality, but you know, this is kind of, uh, you are uh, sort of the nationally known Hurricanes person. Maybe that's just my section of hockey Twitter that you tend to dominate, but I honestly couldn't have named a single Hurricanes media person before you took the job at The Athletic. And uh, you know, I guess there's all sorts of eyeballs across the league reading your articles as far as uh, uh, what this team is doing and uh, how much pressure do you feel to try and uh, and get across who these guys are and what they're all about
1: uh it's a lot of pressure but it's fun pressure like that's what i signed up for and that's what i'm trying to get to in my career and i know it's not always perfect but my favorite part of everything is getting your personalities across so that it makes me happy that they have such fun personalities and in my second season i'm just kind of getting to know them better and getting to know what questions to ask to make them tell a joke or something like that and um, show the world who they really are and that makes me so happy. That's the most rewarding thing. Like, we get it. They're good at the penalty pill. We get it. They are... Um, to whatever. Like, we can break down video clips to death, but I like to be the person that can do... like, tell tell you, like, their favorite song or something like that. I know that's stupid, but I like to... Bring that
0: to people, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel that for sure. And there's, I think, a fine line between you know, people maybe uh, accusing media of, of being homers or being in the tank for the team that you cover. But that's part of being around that group day in and day out and traveling with them on the road and you know when you take a shine to people as people this is exactly what you're yeah. talking about as fans you know wanting to know these extra details about these guys it, when you know them it's hard not to root for them and want the people that you care about to succeed and and you know that can make you perhaps not look uh, impartial as a media member but I think it's impossible not to uh, feel that sort of attachment to people who are nice to you and I wouldn't say they're your friends. Necessarily, but you're certainly friendly with on a day in and day out basis. It's a very fine line, I think, and and uh, it's a, a lot easier to criticize when you're outside and don't have those actual relationships.
1: I, you know, what I couldn't in my personal experience disagree because I didn't like being negative before I got to know some of the people because I couldn't explain to them, hey, like it might be this story that I have to write, but just like giving you a heads up that like whatever, whatever, and like I know which buttons to press more and I know I can have a conversation and they all know that they can come to me if there's something they maybe disagreed with or agreed with or wanted to clear up like there's a few times where they'll clarify something for me and I'm like I'm in the wrong and I didn't know that thank you um and they understand that I have a job to do and I think just being able to have that um dialogue is something that makes it easier for me to be critical because I know that they know that I don't hate them or that I'm not trying to Bury anybody but that like if they're playing bad i'm not gonna lie about it you
0: know yeah no i I, I don't mean to like accuse you of being a homer at all that's not what i was trying to say
1: (laughs) no i know i know i just wanted to talk about that i know you don't think that
0: Well, uh, speaking of uh, kind of the the difficulties and intricacies of the job, and and trying to uh, grow as a as a writer, and and the difficulty perhaps of uh, of reporting on game stories, game in and game out, uh, you're in Vancouver right now, and I would probably be remiss if I did not ask you uh, about Jason Botchford because look, uh, I know that yeah. Jason Botchford's uh, legacy and his um, you know um, ability to be kind of a mentor figure extends. Right across the board, uh, where I am, certainly in Vancouver. What I didn't necessarily realize in, you know, reading what you had written about going to sit on his bench yesterday and, and what an experience that was. Uh, for those who are not aware, there is a bench right near Rogers Arena with a plaque dedicated to Jason Bochford uh, that was installed by Wyatt Arnt and crowdfunded by, uh, you know, fans right across the city here in Vancouver. Uh, what I didn't necessarily realize is how much that mentorship extended beyond Vancouver. And I was wondering if if um, you could just talk about uh, what Jason meant to you in the time that you knew him.
1: To me, it, him like in what he did and the way he was meant that there's somewhere that maybe I could belong in hockey and the hockey world because just the, how fearless he is, I'm not there yet, but that's why I was upset coming here just because I knew there's so much more he could have taught me about how to get to where I want to be, but I don't want to be that stuffy report, like, and there's a place for that reporter that's serious all the time and that um, doesn't have inside jokes with the readers and stuff, but I'm the type of person that loves to go on Twitter and look at um, what everyone's saying, like, interact, and um, I just, I want to be the type of person that does a must-read and, number one, be the type of person that's a good person, and just, it's hard to collect my thoughts about him because there's so much. It's so hard to explain, but you read The athletics once and you understand what I mean. Just he had that electric writing style and he, you knew he cared and you knew he cared about the fans. And that's, it's just, it was so refreshing because I'm like thinking, do I want to be somebody like five years from now? How am I still going to? care about this how I'm going to make it interesting every night he made it interesting he brought the heat and he was clearly grateful for his job and I never want to mail it in And just no matter if you liked him or you hated him he never mailed it in and that he was fearless He didn't care if you didn't like him and that's something that I struggle with and just that meant the world to me to see that he was like that
0: do you guys have a relationship? Did you kind of reach out to him via DMs, or had you met him uh, at Vancouver Games? Was there, like, a, a personal relationship there as well, beyond just someone who admired his work?
1: Yeah, and he would help all the young athletic writers and beyond. It just was so... The advice he would give just kind of... It's hard to put into words, but it just meant the world to me, and that's why it's just so selfishly sad that he's gone because I ask other people for advice and I it's not I wish I had asked him more you know what because yeah we do have a personal relationship but I didn't want to bother him and I didn't I just kind of like to some degree would get advice from the way he was right and I I wish I had bothered him more because now it's like I have a lot of great helpful people in my life but none of them are Jason Lodge
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so rare to find someone like that who is so kind of selfless with their own time, yeah, and and just yeah, exactly, and just willing to uh, you know do everything for anyone that asks anything of them, right? Um, Exactly.
1: I I didn't want to abuse that, but now I'm like, God, what what am I going
0: to do? Yeah, because that was, I think, the real shock. Uh, w- of when he passed away and all the stories that came out is that you know uh, you're not alone in having that relationship with him. I I, yeah. I couldn't as someone who had a, a pretty close relationship with him. I thought as a mentor figure, you know, uh, the extraordinary thing about our relationship is how unextraordinary it was that he was doing this yeah. for literally everyone who reached out for his help. And there's just so few people yeah. in this or any other business who have. You know, never mind the willingness, but the time and ability to, to take on yeah. that role. Um, and he is dearly missed here. But uh, I think one of the things that goes underappreciated in this market is how dearly missed he is everywhere as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, just a superstar. And it just is such a good lesson that if you're a good person and if you try hard, you never mail it in. It, like, you will be universally, like, I don't know. He made a difference, you know, and he did it by being himself and just he's the most genuine person I've ever met, and that sometimes that works out for some people, you know, like it's so hard for me to collect my words about him, because I had been like wondering how am I going to elevate myself the second season, how am I going to be the reporter he would have liked me to be, and I spent something I'm struggling with more than I thought I would coming to Vancouver. I sat on that bench for like an hour in the rain. It was pretty dramatic, just it, it was. It felt nice to have something physical to just kind of like imagine what he would have said to me. But it's just, <laughs> it got a little emotional. So uh, thanks for putting it better than I did.
0: Well, uh, thank you for, for sharing it. And it's it's a funny night that you would be here to cover uh, the Hurricanes at Rogers Arena because it is one of ten games this year uh, where the Botchford Project is going on uh, this evening. Natalie Hoy is the third uh, fellow in, uh, I guess, this Bochford Project Fellowship where young writers are being brought into Rogers Arena to cover these games. Uh, Natalie would have been there during the uh, morning media availability. Had did, did you get a chance to talk with her at all, or are you looking forward to that later on this evening as you and I are speaking about an hour and a half before puck drop here
1: oh I can't wait um that's going to be amazing I didn't get a chance I was writing all day and then they canceled Morning skate, so I didn't really go to the rink yet but I'm so excited I'm obviously going to stop by and talk to her I love that it's a woman
0: yeah, that she is the first woman chosen in the project so far. So uh, the fact that you oh, get to yeah. be there and, and try to uh, show her that uh, there is space for, for, for women in the press box and, and oh, within yeah. hockey media, I think, is, is nice as well because we don't really have a ton of ladies here in Vancouver who cover yeah. the team on a full-time basis. So uh, good time you know with what? you in town.
1: You know what? Rochford um, was the best at that because he wasn't performative and he wasn't like exceptionalist if you know what that means like obviously you know what that means but I don't know if I said the right word but the way that he just accepted women without being like oh you're a girl you're something different like and he just would let you do your thing that was important to me
0: it would be welcoming in the same way that he would welcome in any young person and try to yeah, make any new person exactly. comfortable in this space. Because, you know, this is something that I wrote about extensively after his passing. It wasn't a welcoming space for him arriving here in this city 14 years ago, uh, kind of being frozen out by uh, the establishment media in this city. And I think he really internalized all those lessons and made yeah. it his, like, life's mission to make sure he cultivated a culture wherever he was, whether that was in a physical space in Vancouver or a digital space at the athletic that flew in the face of basically what he had to deal with when he arrived in this city.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You just you said it best I loved what you wrote about him. I didn't really write about him. I just like I don't think I had that much of a relationship with him to do that, but it's just his death really put things into perspective for me and i wish that i had been closer to him but it is what it is right all you can do is take his lesson
0: yeah well um sarah i'm so glad that uh, i got you to open up a little bit about him and, and share your yeah. experiences with the man and talk a little bit about the hockey team that you cover as well uh thank you so much for doing this and uh, enjoy the game tonight
1: of course i will always nice to catch up
0: <laughs> for sure for sure i hope to see you next time you're in vancouver whenever that happens oh to be Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and and honestly, it's nice that, you know, a little piece of Botchford's legacy is left lingering right across the NHL. That it's not just here where, you know, the Botchford project carries on, that there are people who were affected by him and his style right across the league. I, I think I might have touched on this earlier, what? but I do feel like that is forgotten that the, the athletes and the Provis were not just a Vancouver thing. There were eyeballs on no. those articles from all over the hockey world, never mind continent.
1: Yeah, it was something like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but he had like one of the highest engagements of anybody at The Athletic because it's like a must-read. Everybody would read it to see what everybody was thinking, either write like him or have a beat writer like him in their market. you know. Even if they disagreed with what he was saying, he always brought the heat.
0: Well, Sarah, uh, even just from your latest Q and A that went out uh, either today or yesterday, I feel like you are you're carrying that legacy. You are walking in those footsteps. Oh. It is fun to read your work, and uh, I feel like that is kind of uh, what Jason uh, brought to the table as well. So, and oh, it
1: is fun. It's <laughs> like the canes. Nice segue there.
0: Well, <laughs> well, thank you for doing this, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. There she is, Sarah Sivian. You can find her work uh, on The Athletic under the Carolina Hurricanes. I guess subheading or however it is you find articles on there I just search for Sarah Sivian and you can find her stuff there I'm sure that there is a Carolina Hurricanes tab as well but if you look her up as an author you can find all of her stuff and if you add her as a favorite I think all of her articles will come up on your timeline automatically as well so do encourage that you do that as I mentioned she is a treat to read and I had a treat chatting with her as well I hope you enjoyed that too I do want to ask you as I always do to rate and review the program on iTunes or wherever you happen to get it, whether that is, um, I, I guess it's now called Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever that happens to be. Rate and review the program, does us a favor, gives us a kick up the, uh, the rankings, gives us a boost in their algorithms, so on, etc. It's an easy, fun, free thing to do. I don't know how fun it is. It's fun for me to read what you write when you leave a review, but that's all I'm asking you to do for me for Christmas this year is just leave me a review in the Apple Podcast Store. I don't think that's too much to ask considering how many great interviews I've given you this week. I have really enjoyed uh, chatting with all these people, but I'll be back for a solo show tomorrow to talk about tonight's game against the Hurricanes and Tuesday's action against the Maple Leafs as well. Some lingering lessons still to address out of that one. So look forward to that. Until then, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.